Hey, hey, welcome to Coffee and Devotions. It is Wednesday morning, June 24th. This is where every weekday morning at 9 a.m. and on the weekends, before my kids wake up, you and I, we get together, have a little bit of coffee, we read God's Word, we grow in the, our love for the Lord together. And this year, 2020, we'll work through all the Gospels together. This morning, we are in Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 38. Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 38. Why don't we go ahead and grab some coffee and get into God's Word together. Hey Jordan, hey Nancy, good to see you guys. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you, Father, for your word. We pray, Father, that you would bless us now. Lord, we pray that we would hear, know, understand, and believe what you would have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and read. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, who do men say I am? So they answered John the Baptist. Oh, you know, I just realized you guys can't see all that. Let me pull that over just a little bit. There you go. Some say John the Baptist, but others say Elijah and others one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them, that they should not tell anyone about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him but when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. And then our next section, verse 34 onwards. When he had called the people to himself and his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes into in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Well, we have two stories that I think are related to each other, and we need to ask ourselves how. What are they about? Right? What are these passages about? Well, let's go ahead and go to our first one, and that was verses 27 down to verse 33. If we needed to write something in the margin of our Bibles to summarize what this section is about, what would you write? Let me know down in the comments. Take, take just a second and write out, what, what is this passage talking about? Jesus asked his disciples, who do the people say I am? Some say that he's John the Baptist. Some say that he's Elijah. And then it's like Jesus narrows in his focus and he looks directly at his apostles or his disciples and he says to them, but who do you say I am? And Peter in his magnificent confession says, you are the Christ. 
right? Or, or you are the Messiah, you are the anointed one, you are the king. And, it's, and this, is, this is so true, right? But then what happens? Jesus tells them, don't tell anyone about this. And he teaches them about what that means. And what it means is different than what they're expecting, right? Their king has come. But what's going to happen to Jesus? Well, he clearly tells them he's going to suffer. He's going to die, but he's going to raise again. But this does not fit with what Peter thinks is supposed to happen with the Messiah. That's not how the story's supposed to go. Hold on here. And so he takes Jesus aside and he rebukes him, right? Uh, now we might think, oh, what an idiot, Peter. But I mean, this is shattering all the paradigms of what they had, all the ways of thinking about what the son of David was going to be like, what the son of man was going to do. They were expecting this wonderful, glorious, you know, clouds opening, angels coming, conquering the Romans, setting up the Jewish kingdom. And here Jesus is saying they're going to kill him. And Peter rebukes him. And he's wrong in this. And what does Jesus do? Jesus turns around, he looks at the disciples, and he rebukes Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Why? Because he's thinking not of the things of God, but of the things of this world. So what is this about? How would you summarize this in one paragraph or a one-sentence summary for this kind of two paragraphs? I'd probably write something in my Bible like Jesus, Jesus tells us what a messianic king is going to be. You, you can disagree with that. Maybe that's too, you know, too erudite. Maybe it's too, you know, too, too theologically condensed. What would, what would you write? How would you write in just a one-sentence little summary? That's, that's fine. How would you remember what this passage is talking about? Would you say something like Peter's confession and rebuke? But how, how would you do that? I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, in, in my Bible, I'm going to underline verse 31. That's what I think is the best verse to summarize this section. Right? He goes and he teaches them what that means that he's the Christ and what's going to happen. Well, then we get into the next section, verses 34 down to 38. And what does Jesus talk about there? Now, the New King James Version up here, you see it says, cost of discipleship. I think that's probably fine, right? Uh, um, I would probably nuance it maybe a little bit more. I, I might write in the margin of my Bible, if I want to be a disciple, I got to love Jesus and be unashamed of him. Or you might say, uh, I need to love Jesus more than everything else and be unashamed of him. And maybe that's combining the about and what this is, uh, or what we are called to do together. Peter is ashamed of what Jesus is saying. Peter is, whoa, 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 that ain't right, that ain't right. And Jesus right around turns and he talks about the cost of discipleship. And he says, you have to love me more than your mother. You have to love me more than your father. You have to love me more than your family. You're going to have to give up everything for my name's sake. And if you are, un if you are ashamed of me and of my teaching, so I'm going to be ashamed of you. I had a seminary professor that I remember uh, one of just his go-to things as he was trying to figure out how he was going to be a Christian scholar. And this was a well-known church historian. 
I remember he just had this really simple model, and it was this verse. Dr. Woodbridge would say, all I know is I need to not be ashamed of Jesus because I don't want him to be ashamed of me. And so everything he wrote and everything he, he tried to say, that's how he found the courage to be a Christian scholar, how he had the courage to speak the truth into history was he didn't want to be ashamed of Jesus when he wrote history. And he didn't want Jesus to be ashamed of him either. And so in, my, in the margin of my Bible, I'm going to go ahead and uh, underline verse, well, I'll do 35 and 30, 34 and 35. You might underline verse 36, that'd be fine too. Or verse 37, that would be fine too. Or maybe you would do 38, that would be fine too, right? The question is, what are we called to do? Do we believe that Jesus is the Christ? Do you believe that he truly was the Son of Man, that he was born of the Virgin Mary, that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, that he was buried, and that he rose again on that third day and has ascended up into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty? Do you believe it? My next question is, are you ashamed of it? Is, it, is, is that the crux of your life? Is that the center of your being? Is everything you do, how you work, how you raise your family, how you organize your time, how you talk with your neighbors, what you watch on TV, what, how you interact on social media, does the center around Jesus Christ? Or have you not taken up your cross to follow him? This is hard. This, this could look in very different ways for how you are called daily. Are there ways that you feel that God is convicting you, maybe even now by His Holy Spirit, to tell you that there's something that you need to die to, that you might live to Christ? I'd love to, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let me know down in the comments, or if that's a little bit too public for you, feel free to send me a personal message or a text message, email. I love hearing from you guys. It's a great blessing. Well, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you so much for the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Father, we pray that we would believe in Jesus Christ, that we would orient our lives around him, that our thinking, our habits, our interactions would all be found at the center of Jesus Christ, Lord, and that we would live as lights for your gospel, that we would not lose our saltiness, Lord, that we would not become ashamed of you. Lord, we pray that you would care for us when we are weak, that you would hold on to us when we are slow. Father, that you would give us perseverance and energy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, may you go today and may you walk with confidence in the name and of the power of Jesus Christ as he fills your heart with peace. Bye.